and resistance uh, just just going on, going around us in in every situation in life. Uh, but you know what? We're we're not those that draw back. We're 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 not like those who draw back. Hebrews ten gives us a a clear example of a people that draw back unto destruction. And it says, but we're not like those who draw back unto destruction, but we are like those who draw near and we receive even unto the salvation and the saving of our souls. Praise God. There's stuff going on all around us. Don't have to wake you up to that. But we're not like those that draw back. We're we're, we're not like those who draw back. But we draw near. We draw near. There's great reward for him, him, him or her that draw near unto God. A lot of times you have need of endurance. You, you have need of endurance. But before, I mean, there's just always been a great pressure and a great resistance against humanity. But God's people have always been ordained to overcome it. Victorious in every situation. Hallelujah. This is only done through the endurance and the power of God. Jesus said this. That's what I told Pastor Mark last night. Hey, all this is just a little bit of trouble that Jesus prophesied about. Just a little bit of trouble that he prophesied in this world. You will have trouble. You're going to have some pressure and resistance. But what? Take courage. Be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And Pastor Mark's touching on these things about, hey, look here. You can't put Jesus up here on this level while he was down here walking as a man, saying, well, that was Jesus. Right then, you done unhooked unhooked from the power of God. Right then, when you said, well, that was Jesus, you done unhooked. Because over in 1 John 5, 4, it said, this is the victory. That overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. That hey, we, we don't we don't draw back and are destroyed. You what you 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 draw near and and receive salvation, even unto the saving of your lives. That soul uh, word there that's uh, in some translations it says lives. That's talking about right here in this time, the saving of your lives. This this shall not end in death. This shall not end in death. We, we, we draw near and receive. We're not like those that draw back. We, we don't try to explain away when situations don't work out good. Faith never considers the alternative. Well, what about Aunt Mama or, or Uncle Jenny or what happened to them? Or why is Pastor sick? What, we, we ne- faith never considers the alternative. Faith never considers the alternative. We, we don't draw back and are destroyed. We draw near. Even until the end, we, we will endure and overcome. An all-victorious people. Been through some stuff, been tested, so you can help somebody else. Been through some stuff, been tested. And I tell you what, I noticed, you know, even going through school, some of these things, you know... Where's God? Where's God? I, I, I need to hear from God. Did you know that during a test there is no talking? Now, the teacher's already given you the information you need to pass the test. A good teacher has already given you the information you need to pass the test.
And so when, when, when these things are happening and we're experiencing, when you say, well, where's God? What I need? No, you, you already have enough. You, you've got the information you need. There's no talking during a test. We're knowing people. We are a knowing people. You don't win some and lose some. We, we don't we don't have this mindset that well. You just never know what God might do. God works in mysterious ways. You never know what tomorrow brings. Nobody's promised tomorrow. We, we don't have that mindset. How can you have faith for anything if you don't believe you're going to be here tomorrow? I, I've never understood that. How can you have faith for anything if you think there's a chance you may not be here tomorrow? And folks that's here one day and gone tomorrow, whether they're a loved one, somebody we work with, we never consider the alternative. You don't know the whole story. We're knowing people. Father, we draw near to you this morning. Honor that. We, we draw near to you this morning, Father, in all the chaos, all the uncertainty that's in the world. We're not in this world. We're, we're, we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We, we draw near to you, Father. Our eyes are on you. We set our hearts and our eyes on you. Honor that this morning, Father, with divine results. With divine results, only that God can produce through a people that will draw near to him, call on his name. We stand strong in Jesus. We thank you for the work that he accomplished for us. Honor our drawing near to you, Father. I want to look at some things, Pastor Mark. Has been sharing over all these years, but just here recently. Um. And then I'm going to give you some detail on some stuff because you're knowing people. These situations in life, all the chaos going on around, sickness, poverty, killing, disease, whatever all it is, we want to make sure that we, we don't have one opening for Satan to be able to come in. We, we want to be able to shut the door on everything that gives him access into death and destruction. And, and I want to share some detail with you about one particular subject <clears throat> that Pastor Mark's been touching on when we talk about philo and agape. And we know one of the examples he gave us was when, when the master was talking with Peter. And how, how Pastor Mark was showing us that Peter had an understanding of the philo side, warm, affectionate, fond feelings for Jesus when Jesus was talking about agape. Philo and agape. We know how much distress and, and trauma that brought Peter because he didn't know the difference. 
And if it can do that to him, it can do it to us. If we think we're, we, we don't want to be deceived thinking that we're in agape when we're really in philo. These things in the Bible are great examples. It's not just to give us an open door, say, well, it happened to King David, it happened to Peter, it happened to all them. Well, it just, you know, it's bound to be able to, you know, I, I, who am I to think I'm greater? No, these are examples for us that where these people uh, suffered some, some, some great uh, faults and great falls, well, we don't have to. So I'm here, I'm going to show you a difference. I'm going to show you how to recognize whether you're in Philo or Agape. So let, let look at some of these things. <clears throat> See, Pastor said this here. Uh, learning about Jesus is not the same as learning from Jesus. Now I'm going to read some stuff, and then I'm gonna, we're going to go into some Scripture, okay? But I'm just going to touch high points on all this stuff because of time. I, I, could go, I could stay on this for years. Just, I mean, because it's so in-depth, be able to train you. Where you be skilled in life. Learning about Jesus is not the same as learning from Jesus. And discipleship is an uncommon commitment. This word, I want you to pay attention to the word uncommon. And the word commitment. Uh, he said to commit is the same thing as to entrust. To commit means the same as to entrust. And the Lord just showed me the word entrust is the same as invest. And we always associate the most familiar uh, part of life with investment when we're talking about finances. I'm going to talk about finances today. See if you're in Philo or if you're in Agape. We'll make sure we're going to shut the door on every situation that would give the enemy access into the body of Christ. So I, I told Pastor Mark and several people at the beginning of the year, uh, Father showed me by the Holy Spirit this is the year of agreement. It's to the point where we have thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the result we're looking for, nothing short of that. Nothing short of that. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Agreement in the body of Christ. Each individual member is one body. And then agreement in your families, whether you're married or, or just extended families, whatever the case may be, agreement in your families. So you got in the body of Christ, in your individual families, and then individually in you, the year of agreement. Whatever we see in the Word, whatever we thought, whatever we believe, if it don't line up with the Scripture, we got to change it. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It's a gift. Hey, if there's, if, there's, if, it's, if, if there's room for repentance, that means your situation is not out of control. That means you still have control of the situation in your life if there's room to repent. Even if it just has to do with some of the mildest mindsets that may be frustrating you in your efforts to draw near to God and get the results that you've been believing for. The year of agreement. And so uh, it, it's, a, it, it, it's an uncommon commitment. And learning about Jesus is learning about the person. And learning from Jesus is learning about the principles. The person uh, gives you right away in heaven, gives you victory in heaven. But the principles are going to give you right away in victory in this earth. There's a difference. See, we pastors, he said this about just getting in the gate at Disney World. And then what if everybody's just there at the gate and they don't even go in and enjoy the rides, the scenery, all, all the narrations that they got going on through different characters and whatever. You know, heaven's got some characters in it. I mean, amen. But, but what I'm saying is just, just learning about Jesus, that'll, that'll, that'll make you right in heaven. 
But learning from Jesus, the principles, will make, make you right here in this life, in this earth. <clears throat> and he also said salvation is what God done for you, and discipleship is what God does in you. And everything that God's done for you is his desire to do through you. This is what Pastor Mark's saying. Y- y'all ain't looking at me like you've heard this before. But I took notes on it. it that's what he said. And I go home, and I don't treat him any different. I get in the Word, and I find it, and I, I confirm it, and, and see what spirit he's receiving his utterance and his information from. And, and that's why I've always come back to, even to this day, when I've been on other assignments, uh, he, he's, one of the, he's one of the most accurate men that I've ever heard teach the Word. And I'm talking about, with Kenneth Hagin and all of them down, Pastor Mark's as good as anybody I've ever heard. And so, uh, this, uh, <clears throat> so he, he also said this, the greatest threat to your best life is just a better life. Now, I'm touching on high points about stuff. When I get to reading the Scripture, I want all of it. You be receptive in your heart now. We draw near to God, okay? The, the greatest threat to your best life is just a better life. We're talking about commitment, uncommon commitment, to entrust and to invest, okay? Now, i got a question for you. Is our best life connected to other people's victory and success? Is our best life connected to other people's victory and, and success. In other words, what we have the ability to do to cause happen in somebody else's life is our best life tied to that. And I got some scripture I'm going to show you that would, would prove that I know without a doubt it is. You know, the Bible says if one suffers, we all suffer. And if one member rejoices, we all rejoice. That's, that's clear reference being... Revealed right there that your best life, the things that you're ordained to experience, is directly tied to somebody else. He also said trust is the missing link between living, loving God and living by faith. What I'm going to share with you, you you're going to have to receive by faith. And faith is an action word. Be not hearers only, but be doers. And we're knowing people. And I'm going to show you how you know right here. How you, how you flow in the know. Flowing in the knowing. There's a, there's a process that I learned from the master himself. He taught me the principles of what made him such, such a successful man when he lived here in this life. Man, he come, he come and dominated this thing. Both spiritually and naturally. Jesus did. He dominated this thing. And he taught me how he done it. I, I took literally when he said, come unto me and learn from me. I've asked him things nobody's ever asked him. He told me. Nobody's ever asked me that. I ask him, and I'm going to give you an example. I won't tell you the whole part of it, but I ask him, Lord, how would you go from withering a fig tree to moving a mountain in one conversation with your disciples? He said, nobody's ever asked me that. How, how did you go from withering a fig tree to moving a mountain in, in, your, in your teaching of these disciples? He said, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to show you. And he did. And I'll share that another day, but he, he's taught me how he walked in victory in his life. So I'm going I'm to I'm touch on this. John 13 right here, verse 1. Now, we're a knowing people. I'm going to teach you how to know. Remove all doubt. That you're walking in agape and not philo. Now, before the Passover feast, Jesus knew 
that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father, having loved. Thirteen one. Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. So love opens the door to the knowing. Did you hear me? Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father, having loved. The love was a forerunner for the knowing. He loved them to the end. Now, now supper being concluded, the devil put in the heart of Judas, Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing. There's that word again, knowing. We're a knowing people. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God, rose up from supper, laid aside his garments and took a towel and wrapped around himself. So here's a principle right here that we, we learn from Jesus. Love opened the door for the knowing. So, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, all things into his hands, it was all up to the Master, to him, to use the information and ability he had been given. It was all up to him to use the information and the ability he had been given. Revelation, faithfulness, walk in love, walk in faith, being led by the Holy Spirit. That's how he done it, okay? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so talking about this love, this whole chapter, John 13, I want to I wanna move down and just move to 34. Jesus, knowing what love's part played in his life, then he began to share that with these these men that were with him, the disciples. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, if... You have love one for another. Now, he said a new commandment that I give you. So we know the old commandment was love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the old. But Jesus didn't say the old. He said a new. There's a new level of love that's being portrayed here. He says, just as I have loved you. You're not loving your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you also must have love one for another. So I got three things I want to show you here. These are not all inclusive. There are many, many more, but I want to give you the main three principles that Jesus lived by. When it comes to love, when it says, just as I have loved you, you must also have love. This word is must in here. You must have love one for another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. And I'm going to touch on some stuff here about um, doctrine and demonstration. But, because we're talking about philo and agape. How do you know the difference? So that you don't end up like Peter, denying the Lord in any way in your life. And let me, let me tell you something. Uh, you, you, can, you can deny the Lord in different ways in life without just coming out and saying, I don't know the man. Paul said, God forbid I preach and then be disqualified. See, he didn't deny the Lord with his preaching, but he's talking about a whole different thing over here when he says, God forbid I preach and then be disqualified. 
So I'm going to introduce some things to you about doctrine and demonstration. Preaching and practicing. Some of these things you've heard. Talk and walk. Convenient and commitment. Do you like Jesus or do you love Jesus? See, hearers of the word only, they like Jesus. But doers love him. That's agape. That's a heart source. Agape is a, is a heart, has a heart ascent to it. Philo has a mind ascent. It can be changed. And the difference in the filio and the knowing is the mind and the heart. Peter thought he loved him until the pressure came. And this is another part of it. I want, I want to be able to touch on the, uh, the difference between relationship and fellowship. I'm on, I'm on, it's one of the great reproaches in the body of Christ how Satan has sold us a bill of goods to where we preach from these pulpits on a regular basis about relationship. You, you wasn't called to relationship with God. You were called to fellowship. And there's a difference. Relationship has no ability to transform a man or woman's life. Fellowship does. That's why you, you go through life every day and nothing changes and I'm talking about the body of Christ wide. It just seems like the world is just having its way with us. It's because we've settled for relationship and we, we have not been taught what true, genuine fellowship with God and His people, what that really is and what the benefits of that produces in our lives as the body of Christ in this earth. We've settled for Philo when Agape's there the whole time. And I'm going to prove this with Scripture. I got some fabulous examples here. So is our best life connected to somebody else's victory and success? <clears throat> True righteousness the righteousness of God that we've been given and we've been made is only betrayed by what are you willing to give up for the benefit of somebody else? A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. <clears throat> Even as I have loved you, you must also have love one for another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love one for another. All men will know. So there, there's different accounts in the Word where it said Paul preached and some believed and something didn't, some didn't believe. Then there's accounts where Jesus preached, the Master himself. He preached. Some believed, some didn't believe. But this right here says all men will know. See, that doctrine of love, people can argue with that. But the demonstration of love, can't nobody argue with it. <clears throat> so, we talk about willingness. Pastor touched on that. Man, willingness of the heart. Glory to God. Are you willing to receive that this morning? By, by, by the authentic word, by the Holy Spirit, willing to receive it, Father, even though, hey, this is nothing new just because I'm hearing it for the first time. It's always been. God has always been love. And just because you hear something for the first time doesn't make it new. His ways preceded His words. He, he was God before it was written down. He was God. He, he was. Did, did y'all hear me? He, he was God before it was written down. You even knew about it. 
His, his ways preceded his words. You know, precede, that means it come before. So three things, Philippians chapter 2, the way Jesus, there was, there was uh, three principles I want to teach you about him. Philippians chapter 2. This is how he functioned. Because after they lay the after they lay the groundwork here, it goes on talking about like one through uh six, one through five talking about us, and then seven through uh eleven talks about him, and then twelve through the rest of the book talks about us again in Philippians chapter two. But let's look right here. This word if Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there is any encouragement in Christ. Now this word if stands between willingness and unwillingness. And I want to remind you that grace enters through the open door of willingness. We know from Isaiah 119 uh, that if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. It's not enough just to come and be obedient. The willingness of the heart is what God looks at. Are you just going through the motions? Huh? Doing, doing stuff out of routine, out of habit? Willing and obedient. You'll eat the good of the land. So the willingness is the seed. The obedience is the root. This is where it gets deep when you start getting obedient with a willing heart. And, and the, the good of the land is the fruit that you're going to reap from it. You can't get to the fruit without the two in front of it. Willingness and obedience. So this word if right here, it's a big word. That means the, the results have not been determined yet. It can still go either way. So just because you're sitting here listening to me and nodding your head, yeah, if there's any encouragement in Christ, doesn't necessarily mean there's you being encouraged in Christ by what I'm telling you right now. <clears throat> if is a word that stands between willingness and unwillingness. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any compassion and mercy, then fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being in unity with one mind. Now, and this, this really... This really uh, uh, is another thing that I've learned to renew my mind to when I hear men or women of God talk about, well, we, got, we, got, we all have our own opinion. you got a right to think what you want to. No. No, you don't. If the Lord Jesus is your Lord, He shows you what to think. And then if you want the results of His Lordship in your life, then you renew your mind. It's one mind, one heart. We're one body. I mean, if you sit there and look at yourself in your chair right there, you got one mind right here. You got one heart and you got one body. That doesn't change spiritually. One mind, be like-minded. All right, let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility let each one esteem or consider the other person, the other better than himself. Uh oh. See, that's where you go from the old commandment said, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." That's on the same level. But this says, uh, "Let let let each one of you consider the other person more important than himself." Well, what's that mean? It tells you what it means. Not only looking out for your own interest, but the interest of others. So. We sang earlier, uh, I got a reason to sing. I got a reason to worship. You, you do. But have you helped somebody else sing and worship? For the reasons that you have to sing and worship, so have you helped somebody else reach that? Because is your best life connected to somebody else's best life? I want to make sure that we're not giving the devil an open door. That he can have his way with the body of Christ. But in humility, consider each other 
better than yourself. Not only looking out for your own interests, but the interests of others. Let this mind be in all of you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's why he said, uh, love just as I've loved you. He had this mindset. Do, do you not know that he considered you more important than himself? Long, long before he died, I ain't talking about the Calvary. I ain't talking about at the tree when they finally hung him. I'm talking about for 30 years before he got there, he considered you more important than himself. How he, how he, he, he sanctified himself and, 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 and kept himself from, from so many things that, that tempted him growing up. He, 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 long before he got to Calvary, he qualified himself. That once he got there, he wouldn't be disqualified. Tempted and tested in every way that we are. This, this, this will tempt you and test you. This is what you're going to hear in, in, in what I'm sharing with you. But I'm telling you, it's the secret on what God's done for me. I've I, I seen it early on. I've seen how this brings a reproach on God's people. I made a commitment. I was going to take part in what he showed me. I've done that. And I, I'm telling you, uh, even though I've, I've experienced stuff, don't, I'm, I mean, I'm, I've, I've had pressures and, and uh, I've had things come against me. I ain't lost none of them. I've been victorious in every situation because my prayer works. My faith works. Now, Galatians 5, 6 says what? Faith worketh by love. And so when you see things that's not going on in your life that you're not experiencing what, let's just say John 10, 10. Jesus said, I come that you might have life, have it more abundant. And he said, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. And you're having more stuff lined up with what the devil's doing than what God's doing. Don't look at your faith, Walt. Look at your love, Walt. Because you, because you, 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 faith cometh by hearing. But when you get it, what you, how's it going to work for you? Well, it worketh by love. Agape. Not philo. Now, philo's good. But which is better? Being a hearer or being a doer? Y'all talk to me now. Help me. Help me right here. Don't, don't, don't unhook from me. Stay right here. So, I, I just, I'm just, I want to make sure that we know the difference. How do we know that we're in agape and not just philo? Because it can be devastating. If you get to heaven, you can ask Peter how devastating it was. He thought he loved Jesus. All right, so let's look at, uh, so we, we see here, this is one example. Look at Romans chapter uh, 12. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12. I think we're going to start here at verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. So what, what's, been, what's normally been said about somebody says they're a believer and, and, they, and they, they say one thing and live another way? What do they call them? Call them hypocrites. Now, if you'll go to uh, uh, Matthew 23, Jesus had a whole chapter where he addressed that with, with the religious leaders. Talking about hypocrites. Said one thing, done another. Okay? So th this exhortation right here, verse 9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. What love? Well, the love Jesus said that you have love one for another just as I have loved you. We covered the first one. Was that you consider other people more important than yourself, not only looking out for your interest but the interest of others. Hate what is evil, cleave to what is good. This word cleave, had, I, you know, I learned this years ago, talking about a meat cleaver with a... With a butcher, how that thing's so sharp and pointed it comes to one edge. It's two sides, but it's it's sharpened so sharp that it actually becomes one edge. Cleave to that, cleave to that which is good. Be be made one with that which is good. 
Be devoted to one another with brotherly love. Now, this word devoted, over in um, another one of Paul's letters, he talks about a certain group of people that he was admonishing and, and building up and telling everybody to, everything you do, help them with, with the works of God because they've been addicted. They've addicted themselves to the, to the serving of the saints. Devoted. That's agape. Prefer one another in honor. Now, this thing about honor is a whole other subject. But needs don't ha- needs don't have anything to do with honor. You, they, the, uh, some of this thing, some of these things in honor, uh, w- w- in all throughout Scripture, is you 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 do things for people just because they deserve it. They, they've labored and worked in the Lord. It ain't got nothing to do with whether they need it or not. They may have more money than you do. All throughout the Bible, when these men would go and visit other families or other nations or whatever, man, they'd bring stuff with them. And I'd look at that and i said, well, they're already wealthy. He said, but honor ain't got nothing to do with needs. Honor doesn't have anything to do with needs. Prefer one another in honor, and don't be lazy in diligence. Be fervent in the Spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, con- con- contribute to the needs of the saints, and practice hospitality. And then Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 10. So is your best life connected? To somebody else's success and victory and comfort. Paul said over in Philippians 4, I think what it was, that uh, after he'd received comfort uh, from the God of comfort, then he he received comfort from a a whole group of believers that was on another part of the world where they had sent him some money to help him with what he was doing. So God's design of it is, whatever it is that God's done for you, Remember, Pastor Mark said this now. Not not only what God has done for you, but He wants to do that through you. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, um, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in the household of faith. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to show you where this started in in Numbers chapter 10. Is your best life connected to somebody else's victory and success and comfort and encouragement? Numbers chapter 10. Now, this is an account where the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, and they're making their journey into the promised land of Canaan, okay? Verse 29, Moses said to Hobab, this is the son of Raul or Jethro, the Midianite, that's Moses' father-in-law. He said, we're setting out to a place which the Lord said I'll give to you. Now I want to show you this is a prophetic sign and type and shadow of the body of Christ that you'll know about in the New Testament once Jesus comes. He said, I'll give you, he said, I'll give it to you. Come with us, and we will do good to you because the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. Hobab said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and my own kindred. So Moses said, please do not leave us because you know where to camp in the wilderness, and you may be our eyes. Now, we know from the New Testament, they make reference to the different members of the body. The eyes can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. You hear me? So, this is, a, this is the beginning of a type and shadow of what we're to renew our minds to, of what I'm preaching to you about philo and agape. 
And everything that God does for you, He's designed to do through you. And is your best life connected to what, what ability you have to affect somebody else's to that same level? So Moses said, please do not leave us because you know where to camp in the wilderness and you may be our eyes. Moreover, if you go with us, then it will be that whatever good the Lord does for us, we will likewise do for you. Have you been functioning in agape? Or philo? Fond, affectionate feelings. Will you just come and shake hands? Say, brother, I love you. We're praying for you. Because the Bible says over here, it says, if you see a man in need and all you do is pray and say, be warm and well fed, and you don't address his need, what have you done? And then James, matter of fact, it makes the same comparison. And James calls it demon faith. He said, even the demons believe. So I want to look at something right here. This is, this is what, what Moses say in verse 12. Moreover, whatever it is that God does for us, we'll do for you. Have you practiced that? We're trying to close the door on the devil now. How, how do you know that you've walked in filio or agape? I showed you. It said Jesus having loved his own. Verse 13, 1. That's what I started out with. This ain't a condemning message. This is a liberating message. This will bring victory, man. I'm just telling you. And you know what? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then I read, we, we started out that you have need of endurance. You ain't going to endure without joy. You ain't going to endure without joy. Man, I'm trying to tell you over there in 2 Corinthians, they had two whole chapters talking about giving. Now, and, and look, poor folks ain't excluded from this message. If you ain't got as much as the next man sitting to you, don't point at him. This ain't racially motivated message. White or black, rich or poor. This is to the body of Christ. So let me show you something right here. Is, is your best life connected? Did y'all bring a lunch? They, they, when I was doing construction, I, when I knew we was going to go to work, that's what they'd ask. Did you bring your lunch? Because you ain't going to have time to stop and go get nothing. I'm just messing. Glory to God. This, this brings me great joy because I've experienced this. Man, I'm telling you, I've experienced this. And if you'll govern your life, on every decision you make, are you considering other people more important than yourself, not only looking out for your own interests, but the interests of others? And you may say, well, how am I going to get anything done for myself if I'm always considering other people? Well, you got the disclaimer, not only looking out for your interests, not only looking out for your stuff, but other people's stuff. You, you've got to disclaim. And then guess what? I, I, I'm going to get some shirts pr printed up that says, lean not. If you don't understand how it works, then what? You can have peace and comfort if you trust somebody that does. If you don't understand how it works, then you, if you trust somebody that does, what? You can have peace and comfort. So let's look at this example right here in Matthew 19. Now this is a, an account here with the, the ruler, the little rich young ruler that came to Jesus. Don't get caught up on the word rich. <clears throat> if, you got, if you got more than one slice of bread at home, you rich. You got one you could share with somebody. God, God's only going to hold you responsible for what, you, what a man has, not what he doesn't have. We, we're going to look at this widow here in a minute with two mites and how Jesus bragged on her. This ain't a message for them rich folk. This is a message for the body of Christ. Somebody wants victory. And begin a process, even if you had never even thought about this type of living, to begin a process today. No matter how old you are, 
And ultimately, I'm talking about receiving miracles, signs, wonders, demonstrations of power. This is what's going to change the world. This is what's going to change the world. Is the miracles, the signs, the wonders, and the demonstrations of power. Love opens the door to those. If you look over there in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the Bible says that uh, we, we do know that 1 John 4, 8 and 1 John 4, 16, God is love. God is love. And the Bible says that God activates the gifts. Well, guess what? Love activates the gifts. You want to know why Jesus knew what he knew? Doing with his hands what he did with his hands? He loved his own. Even until the end. And so here's, your, here's a thought for you. If you'll do in your heart what Jesus done in his heart, you'll do with your hands what he did with his hands. This rich young ruler, he, he, he comes to the master. Notice the tone in this man's questioning. He knows there's something more to life than what he's experiencing. Do you feel that way? If you've, if you've been in the Word enough, you've been saved long enough, you've experienced the voice of God, you've seen things within, within the world that has happened and worked out good, and, and you, you, it's, it's created enough longing in you to know that there's something that we're not experiencing on the level that the Bible says we should be experiencing it. You know that. You have to know that. This man's experiencing the same thing. So in verse 16 of 19 of Matthew, he says, uh, Now one came to him and said to him, Good teacher, uh, what good deeds shall I do to inherit eternal life? So the Holy Ghost was drawing him. I, I know that. Anytime you draw near to God with a question or any type of uh, you know, contact with him, the Holy Spirit's drawing you. Satan ain't pushing you to the Master. The Holy Spirit was drawing him. And then, uh, so Jesus replied to him, uh, why, why do you call me good? Now, I know here the master was wanting to find out what his level of understanding was. Because that's what the, the Holy Spirit is good at being able to deal with you where you're at. He said, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good. But, but if you would enter life, keep the commandments. So those commandments at that point was love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We're still in the old covenant here in the Gospels. Okay? And he said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, I've kept all these things from my youth. What do I still lack? See, he knew there's something more to life than what he was experiencing. And then he said, Jesus said, if you'd be perfect, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now, we know from John 5 and 48 that, and Pastor Mark touched on this, God said, be perfect, therefore I'm perfect. So all these, all these commandments that this ruler had kept, they were designed for one thing, to make his life good. Because if you didn't do them, you didn't have a good life. They killed you. So all these things that he had done, he had committed to making sure his life was good, but he knew there was something missing. And when, and when the young man heard this, he became sorrowful, for, for he had great possessions. The sorrow came from rejection of the truth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So he thought what he had was more valuable 
than helping people. He probably had thought he had done worked hard all him li- all his life for the stuff that he had accumulated, and then when Jesus asked him to give to poor, give to the poor, he was sorrowful. So what he had was more valuable than what Jesus had. And this t- this is going to touch on something here a little bit closer. Mark ten, it's the same account, <clears throat> and I'm going to finish here in just one second. Mark ten. 17 through 22. I just want to make sure we know we're walking in agape and not philo. So when he had set out on his way, a man come running, knelt before him. Like I said, he's drawing near. The Holy Spirit uh, was drawing this man. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, why do you call me good? Now, some of these are the same words, but it's just got a little bit of different thing here. Uh, he said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Bear false witness. Don't, don't defraud. Honor thy father and mother. He said to him, all these things I've observed from my youth. So this is a picture of self-righteousness and the goodness and the willingness and his ability to make everything right in his own life. But notice what happens when Jesus mentions him to go and do something for somebody else. Then Jesus looking at him and he loved him. See, that word's in there in this particular scripture. It wasn't in the other one. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Now, the word says over there in the, in, in the psalm, said, The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not lack. And we always want to accommodate that to the things we have. But if you open your understanding to what Jesus is talking about, you lack something right here, well, that would indicate the Lord ain't your shepherd. You lack one thing. Go your way and sell whatever you have. Give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven and come and take up your cross and follow me. So what he told him is, hey, look, you, you go demonstrate love first, then you come preach. Did, did, you, did you see me? He said, demonstrate love first, then you can come, then I hear your doctrine. And he was saddened by that word. He went away grieving because he had some stuff. He considered what he had more important than what Jesus had. And he didn't see anything beyond this life. And then over in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, I mean Acts chapter 2, chapter 4, and chapter 6, we we know about, I'm going to read this, but I'm going to show you why it's so important. I'm going to show you why it's so important to understand whether you're walking in agape or philo. It's the greatest level of evangelism that God has ordained for His people. It ain't the preaching. It's the loving. Because the Bible said Paul preached, some believed. The Bible said Jesus preached, some believed. But He said in John 13, 34, by this all men will know. You want to know why we ain't reaching the world? We do. We we got way too much preaching, and no practicing. Amen. We 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 got a doctrine of love, but that demonstration when it comes time to get rid of some stuff, we draw back. We draw back. Well, there's a mandate that goes with drawing back and are destroyed. We ain't talking about you not making heaven. We're talking about you living your best life. And these people that within the sound of my voice, whether they're on the internet in this room, they live in good lives. But is it your best? 
Is it your best? Because pastor said uh, a better life is, is your greatest hindrance to your best life. And I want to talk about comfort and convenience in that area. But let's look at Acts chapter 2 right here. So th- this whole thing, here's where we touch on fellowship again. Verse 42, Acts chapter 2. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. Notice how evangelism and and changing the world and turning it upside down, what it's tied to, what it's connected to. They continued steadfast in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Fear came over every soul. Now, fear is a word that I don't want you to get confused with something negative when it when it's talking about the Lord. 